Hello and welcome to the March 2023 episode of The Seagull. The Seagull is the place to stay up to date on everything you need to know about the 102nd Intelligence Wing at Otis Air National Guard Base, right here from beautiful Cape Cod, Massachusetts. I'm Tim Sandlin from Public Affairs, and together with Tech Sergeant Jay Whitaker, we'll get you up to speed on what's going on here at the Wing. Just a footnote, before we get into the rundown, we have a special guest with us on The Seagull this month. I'd like to introduce our brand new PAO, Public Affairs Officer, 2nd Lieutenant Kevin Clancy is with us. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well, Sergeant Whitaker. Thank you for having me on this month's podcast. Thanks, Tim, for having me here as well. It's real exciting to be a part of this new team. I come from across the street with the 203rd Intelligence Squadron, where I was an all-source intelligence analyst, so it's kind of fitting that I'm a new PAO here at an intelligence wing, but I was fortunate enough to get selected for my commission uh, about six months ago, finished up with OTS, and I'm real excited to be here, part of this team. We also have uh, Tech Sergeant Kevin Noons and A1C Julia Ahasey joining us um, in the PA shop, so it's exciting to be a part of a growing team. And that's great because uh, you're coming from a team that deals with information and you join a team that deals with information. So uh, content is king in this office and uh, you're going to get off to a great start. And we're looking forward to working with you. That's right. Thanks, Tim. This month's show features a roundtable discussion with members of the local chapter of Toastmasters. We hear a clip from our other podcast, Chevrons, where we spend some time with a panel of prior enlisted company-grade officers who tell us why they decided to jump from stripes to bars and what their experiences were like and how it's been since they made the transition. In honor of Women's History Month, we'll learn about Frances Fortune Grimes, a women's Air Force service pilot who served right here at Otis. But first, in this month's command message, 102nd Intelligence Surveillance and Reconnaissance Group Commander Colonel Enrique Davallo talks about creating your own luck and using the ingredients of openness, preparation, flexibility, and generosity to maximize your odds of success. Hello, Team Otis. I'm Colonel Enrique Davallo, commander of the 102nd ISR Group, and it's my distinct honor and privilege to provide this month's command message, as March will be my last month as a member of the 102nd Intelligence Wing. It's a weird coincidence that my turn happened to come up for my final month during the same month where we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. In fact, the 17th will be my final day on base as a member of the wing. So you might almost say it's pure luck that this all lined up so well. And luck is exactly what I want to talk about. I was lucky to join this wing nearly 16 years ago. I was lucky to get a full-time job here. I was lucky to be a two-time squadron commander, to get picked up for SDE in residence, to work on the OSD staff, to be the only non-rated division chief at NORAD J3, and now, to get to represent the nearly 6,000 ISR airmen across the Guard at the Air National Guard Readiness Center. Or was I? What I'd like to propose to you right now is that we make our own luck. And like that four-leaf clover we all want to find, I say the luck we make for ourselves has four ingredients. Openness, preparation, flexibility, and generosity. As you work to build a successful military career for yourself and those you lead, I encourage you to think about making your own luck with these ingredients to maximize your odds of success. When I say openness, I'm talking about being open-minded and having a growth mindset, about 
understanding that our current condition is not set in stone. Once we realize that we have the power to change it, that gives us the ability to envision alternatives. The opposite would be having a fixed mindset where we're focused on all the things that keep us in our current situation. If you haven't read the book Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck, I highly recommend it. It's essential reading for anyone who wants to be a high-performing individual. And if you're a parent, definitely pick it up. It will benefit both you and your children. Now, openness is great, but it alone won't bring us luck. Next, we need preparation. In the military, we talk about readiness all the time. Preparation allows us to be ready to do anything that our openness brings to us. I'm talking about whole person fitness here. For those of us that operate primarily in the physical world, that might mean physical fitness. For nerdy ISR types like me, maybe it's exercising our intellectual fitness through listening to podcasts, reading books, so we can make better informed analytical assessments. Anyone who's worked for me has definitely heard me talk about doing PME early and often. And of course, we all need to maintain our emotional, spiritual, mental fitness through whatever practices nurture our mental well-being. That's a lot of work. But well-rounded preparation ensures that we're ready for our good luck to arrive. And that luck may or may not show up in exactly the form we were thinking. So we need to have the third ingredient of flexibility. Many of you have heard me say that perfect is the enemy of good. Especially in the military profession, we want things to be just right, exactly to specification and in accordance with the instruction. Unfortunately, life just isn't like that. It's messy and always requires adjustment. So if we're willing to be flexible, we maximize our odds of long-term success. For example, I've been flexible with where I lived and what duty status I was in. That allowed me to jump back and forth between DSG, Technician, AGR, here at Otis, in the NCR, Colorado Springs. I recognize not everyone can be that flexible, but the more flexibility you're able to exercise, the more you maximize your good luck. That brings me to the final ingredient, generosity. I'll admit I didn't understand this one until my time at the Pentagon a few years ago. Being generous with my time and energy towards others helped me build relationships that ended up being essential to getting work done effectively and efficiently. When I transitioned from being task-focused to people-focused, it helped me create the space for greater understanding. And it was and if I was generous with my time and understood someone else's position better, it created opportunities for me to find luck. Whether that was getting agreement from another action officer in some office or accomplishing a task my boss had given me. Our military runs because of the people. If you are generous with others, it will come back to you as good luck. I promise. Finally, before I give up the mic, I'd like to point out that the 8th is International Women's Day and the kickoff for the Department of the Air Force's Women's Air and Space Power Symposium, which is again virtual this year. I found last year's symposium to be very informative and inspiring and invite all of you to tune in to any of the speakers and panel discussions. I also want to say thank you to the wing as a whole. I showed up here in October of 2007 knowing almost nothing about the Guard. I was welcomed into this, my second family, with open arms. And I need to thank all of you 
for contributing to what has turned into an amazingly successful career. Through your generosity, you made me a very lucky man. Thank you and enjoy March Madness. Hey everybody, this is Tech Sergeant Jay Whitaker here uh, with the Toastmasters panel, the Volume Toastmasters group. I am sitting here with, I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves today. We're starting to my right. Hello, my name is Ellie Russo. I work at Air Station Cape Cod. My name is Senior Kenny and I work at Otis Air National Guard Base and I am also the Sergeant at Arms for our local Toastmaster chapter. I'm Chief Master Sergeant Joseph O'Brien. I'm the Senior Enlisted Leader for the 202 Intelligence, Surveillance, and Reconnaissance Group, and I'm also the Vice President of Membership for the Volume Toastmasters Group on Joint Base Cape Cod. There we go. So I have the, you know, basically I've asked these folks uh, to come on down to the studio today here for the Seagulls Podcast and just really just share what we what we do at Toastmasters. I've, I've attended the meeting. So if you're looking for something different to do this year in 2023 to improve your public speaking skills or uh, professional development, this is a, another route that you can go. Uh, can we talk a, a little bit about how you got into Toastmasters or what maybe brought you there? I started Toastmasters at a different club and I found it very useful. I started as a uh, contractor civilian who worked with Toastmasters, and I worked alongside military members who were in that group, and I realized what the benefit was and how great it was both personally and professionally, and wanted to bring it to Joint Base Cape Cod and continue my own personal development. There we go. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, for me, uh, it, was the sh- it was the shirt. You, you, you were like, hey, uh, you're the additional duty first sergeant. Come to Toastmasters <laughs> with me, and I was like, okay. So, and uh, I had a good first meeting, and I was like, all right, well, I'm here now. This is this is happening. So, what about you, shirt? I actually uh, heard about Toastmasters years ago when Colonel Ivers was talking about it, and I didn't know what that term meant. Are right? We, are we saying toast in a meeting? What are we doing? So I, I did some research on it and realized that it was an an actual developmental program. And last year I joined, and I'm so glad I did. I hadn't had the opportunity, but now we have a local chapter here, and we have a Teams option. But it it is a low threat environment. You're you're with friends. It's it's a lot of fun, but it helps you improve your public speaking, and you become very sensitive when you go to other events after going to Toastmasters for a long time, and you pick up on all the ums and the ahs and the but you're in a forum with with friendly people, and you don't feel like you're attacked. So it is it is a great time. Uh, table topics is my absolute favorite piece part of the meeting, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. There we go, Chief. Um, I joined kind of for the same reasons that uh, Sergeant Kinney was just talking about. Uh, I wasn't really quite sure what Toastmasters was, but once I joined, it's more than just uh, doing speaking and giving toast. Uh, and also. It's the developmental part, your leadership skills. We have different positions in the club that should be rotating, whatever, but it gives you some responsibility, some ownership, and some commitment to that club, and that also helps develop your leadership skills as well as the speaking aspect of it and preparing the preparation part of it. And all those things, I think, come hand-in-hand with with leadership, right, to help you to develop things and how to prepare 
and move forward. So that's that's a, the really a, a good part of this thing that I think um, people miss out on as well. Well, maybe when we're talking about the club, like not only is it going to improve your public speaking, but it's going to improve your, your leadership skills. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I think um, I do a lot of public speaking outside of uh, working here in public affairs, but I have it's definitely helped me because there's a time where you may have to brief the brief an entire squadron and you may have to go up there in front of people. And, you know, if you're speaking candid, candidly or very informal, um, it may not be the, the right setting. And so like just in the what I've been in for about six months, I believe, and just it's it's helped me dramatically. You know, I've improved greatly. And we we also do words of the day. Uh, we have a grammarian. I, I still I still trip over that <laughs> word, um, and we you know we try to uh, expand our vocabulary as well. So it's it's it is a helpful tool, especially and if if you're shy, don't even worry about it. You're amongst friends. You get applause after everything. almost almost everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, look, real quick. Sorry, I had one. I did have my, my questions. I'm editing in this out in post. Um, as far as um, uh, da, 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 da. don't grade this, please. Do we want to talk about what volume? Yes, actually, actually yeah, actually that. There we go. So could we talk? So volume is is. Let's talk about that. Well, let's. That's an acronym, I believe, right? Correct. So volume stands for Voices of Leaders Unite motivate, and excite. So in our military lives, we have so many acronyms. It seemed fun to add an acronym, volume, and the idea of being loud and being heard was a great way to pull those two pieces together. And then just looking at those words, voices of leaders. We're all leaders, whether we have the rank or the position. Motivate, we want to motivate each other. We unite together as a group. And then just do it excitedly. Exactly true, and that's that's really a great, great, great basis for that the overall uh, theme of the club. And the other aspect I'd like about us being on Joint Base Cape Cod is it's interacting with um, there are other services on base, right? We call it Joint Base Cape Cod, but I've gotten to know quite a few of the Coast Guard people now. I've, I've known Ellie for a little while, and other people in the wing. Obviously, we get to know them much more as well but it's kind of neat now going over to the the galley at the coast guard side and i'll run into a couple of the other members and we start talking about the club and stuff like that where maybe six months or a year ago i really wouldn't know those people and now i kind of it's kind of neat to be able to walk around base and say hey what's going on bryce or or even you know um the commander over there rob Uh, i forget his last name but you know it's really cool I and, like and it. what's great is that not just in a social atmosphere we're meeting up, but on occasion members will reach out to me for work-related things. And now that they have somebody at the air station that they're familiar with, they can make that connection on a professional level as well. So it really, I think, helps bring the base together. And our membership is open to anybody on the federal side, the state side. If you're a contractor, a spouse or a veteran who has access to base. And I think we just brought our first civilian in, correct? Uh, Our first Space Force. Yes. Yes, Yes. Space Force civilian. There we go. That's exciting. It is. So it is truly joint. So um, if you're thinking about just attending a meeting, when do we have our meetings? 
They are the first and third Wednesdays of the month at 1130 a.m. And they, they we really um, are strict about the time, so 1130 to 1230 sharp. Uh, so we're very um, you know, aware of your time and how important it is. But there is a Teams option. We meet at Hangar. It's 3172, correct, over on the Coast Guard? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we carpool over there. But um, it, it's, it's wonderful. It really is. And part of the structure being that one hour and keeping to that hour is a skill that so many people desire and need. If How many of us have been in a meeting that has gone well over its usefulness? <laughs> and, so, and so what Toastmasters does and what our meetings do is they help us stay within our timeframes, get to the point, and if we're going to work to be persuasive, do that in a timely manner. And that's something that we can use both personally and professionally and hopefully reduce the time in our meetings. There we go. Well, I do want to do one of our favorite things. I know, sure, I know you love <laughs> table topics. And so I'm going to give right now, I totally unprepared for, I know you have no idea what I'm about to ask you, but what is your favorite concert that you, uh, name the favorite concert that you went to and why? Absolutely. Last year, this past summer, I got to see Def Leppard, Joan Jett, Poison. They were amazing. So it just took me back to my, you know, high school years with the big hair and the black eyeliner. And I wore leopard leggings and, you know, I had a side ponytail and we just, it was an incredible concert. And I'll tell you, um, you know, Guns N' Roses, too, I had seen a, a couple of years ago. They are even probably better now than they <laughs> were when I was in high school. And it was both of those concerts were just incredible. Uh, that, but this one this past summer was at Fenway. and It was outside. It was summertime. And all the songs that, that I knew in high school, and I went with my best friend, and she knew that we sang the songs and we knew the words. It was just it took me back. It was a great, great time. There we go. That was an impromptu. That was a table topic speech <laughs> right there. There we go. I love it. And I forgot to uh, throw in the word of the day, but I will give it out as, as the impromptu uh, grammarian for this. It's savant. So savant is a formal word that refers to a learned, a learned person, especially someone with detailed knowledge about a particular subject. The word is also used to refer to a person affected with a developmental disorder who exhibits an exceptional skill or brilliance in a particular subject or field. So I do have one chief I'm going to hit you with an impromptu table topic, if you will. You, you ready? Hit me. All right. All right. So uh, who is your favorite baseball player and why? Oh. That's a tough one because I'm actually not a huge baseball <laughs> fan. You didn't ask me. <laughs> but I do, and I have enjoyed the Red Sox um, since about 1998. My neighbor actually got me into watching baseball and going to the games back back when Pedro Martinez was the big thing. So I think I'm going to have to go with Pedro Martinez. Uh, he came from the Montreal Expos, came to Boston, uh, had a little chip on his shoulder, and really pitched his butt off and brought this team, brought some notoriety to it, brought some excitement to Fenway. And then, as we all know, the rest of the story, they brought in Manny Ramirez and Big Poppy, and all those guys went on to beat the Yankees in the 
divisional series and then eventually to beat St. Louis in the World Series. So thinking back, I think Pedro Martinez probably was one of my favorite Red Sox players and still is, is to this day. He kind of gets involved with the community. And he's, he's just truly a savant when it comes to throwing the fastball. There we go. There we go. I, I was waiting for it. I knew he was going to drop it in there. So, see, and that, so if you're listening, if you just want to get up there and talk about Pedro Martinez or Def Leppard or anything else, what is, you, Ellie, what is your favorite recipe to cook for a potluck? My favorite recipe for a potluck is my pumpkin spice roll. And I get not just coworkers, but family members who text and call me to make sure that I am preparing that for our potlucks at work and our holiday events. So this pumpkin spice roll, you would think that maybe it was an old family recipe or that I found it in a cookbook, but really it's on the back of the label of the canned pumpkin. <laughs> so when I'm out shopping for ingredients, it's super easy. I go to the pumpkin <laughs> can. And then I go to the back and I find all those items in the grocery store. It is cooked from scratch. I absolutely love it. It's easy enough, but it because it is baked from scratch, people feel that it's super labor intensive and that you've worked real hard and they're very appreciative that you have created it. And what I do is I put it on this plate that is my pumpkin spice roll plate. And it has little acorns and leaves around it, giving that fall foliage look. And I cut it up in nice slices and then put it back in the fridge so it gets hard in the areas where the frosting is. And then I'll bring it to work and put it right by the coffee pot because there's nothing better than a nice, sweet pumpkin spice roll and a cup of coffee. So that is the recipe that I enjoy making and that everybody enjoys consuming. I am not a savant in the kitchen, but I, I have found that I do have happy smiles and wave, rave reviews. Thank you. Awesome. Well done. Well done. See, so this is just an, a sample of what, of what we do at, at, a, at, a, at a typical Toastmasters meeting. I, I, honestly, that was the reason why I called y'all here. I didn't, I didn't bring the gavel, that, you know, but um, <laughs> I did want a chance to just... Uh, be the Toastmaster for today, so the unofficial. But thank you all so much for, for joining me today. I, I do appreciate it. And uh, for anybody that's listening, if if, uh, if you are thinking about checking out Toastmasters, come and visit us on the uh, first and third uh, Wednesday at 1130. And, um, or if, if, if you're out of state or in, in look at the uh, Toastmasters chapter in, in your neck of the woods because it will help you uh, with public speaking and as far as and, and could help you in your professional development journey. And all the speeches that you heard were completely unplanned. So <laughs> I just love that about you. Thank you all for just being ready to talk about Pedro Martinez, Def Leppard, and pumpkin spice pie. <laughs> Thank you so much for uh, joining us. So Thanks, Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Jay. With March Madness comes some enlisted development training, a significant part of one's development. Officer, enlisted, or civilian is having a great mentor. We asked some of our airmen what mentorship meant to them and advice on finding the right person to fill that role in your career and your life. Let's hear what they had to say. Mentorship is like a relationship. It's the association that occurs between a mentor and their mentee. 
And it can be short term, it can be long term, it can be for a lifetime. But that's what mentorship means. The process of sharing your knowledge with someone that may be less experienced. And it's a two-way street, so mentorship. Someone who teaches you what to do, how to do it right, just someone who you really look up to. So for me, mentorship is the, uh, the sharing of ideas, maybe providing some guidance to somebody that does not have the same experience that I do, uh, providing some uh, diversity of thoughts, some collaboration, but uh, always hoping to help that person get to where they need to be. I think mentorship for me is about looking to care for others that um, are in your field or in your area where you have some sort of expertise and you want to impart that wisdom to another and ensure that they become the best version of themselves. Mentorship means to me is typically the relationship between two people. Uh, there's usually somebody wiser or more experienced in the world that you can also uh, go to. Uh, that way they can impart their wisdom on you and help you develop and grow throughout your life. Mentorship means having someone that you can go to for help and look up to for advice and someone you kind of want to follow in their steps. Mentorship is a relationship that you have with an individual who uh, is looking out for your best interests. It means always being there and looking out for the person that you're working with, whether they're they work, for, they work for you, you work with them, but always just being there, being accessible. The, the mentors didn't berate the person. They didn't attack their character. They just, they were, they were constructive versus being destructive. I think a lot of it is, you know, reaching across the aisle, pulling someone up, giving them an opportunity, giving them um, maybe a network that they can use to, you know, with the ultimate goal being growth for the mentee. Dissolving the separation between um, not only the ranks, just the uniform. It's being human and seeing someone else in their experience and sharing your experience and uh, guiding them. I believe it's just being that faucet of information where people can come and feel free to talk to you and just pick your brain on any other topic that they would like to. Well, mentorship, uh, it, it's an opportunity for you know, those more experienced individuals with whatever area of expertise you're dealing with, you know, company, military, whatever it might be, it's an opportunity for those experienced individuals to be able to, to give back, provide that guidance, uh, provide that, that much needed development for, you know, maybe it's not just the younger generation, but um, those folks that may be inexperienced or, or maybe even experienced folks that just never had, a, had an opportunity to be mentored. So um, it's a way for uh, I, I'd say the older generation to be able to groom um, and provide that development for uh, the new generation to come. Someone uh, who lets me go through hardships but doesn't let me leave me alone while I'm going through those hardships. They guide me, they prepare me mentally, and they let me go through it as a learning experience. For airmen seeking mentorship, I say just don't be afraid to reach out, whether it be someone who's been in for years or someone like me who's just joined, because I even have advice for new airmen that haven't gone to basic yet, because I have experienced it most recently, and people who are higher up can tell you what they've been through when they're in your exact position. I think airmen seeking mentorship need to look in 
whatever area where you're looking to develop and see who you naturally look to as a leader, um, not just their work ethic, but who they are as individuals, who you can open up to, who you can talk to, who takes an interest in you. So it's um, looking around at who you, who that's really natural with um, and, and being bold enough to ask some of those questions. Um, and knowing, again, that that's not a weakness to ask those questions, but that um, it's important. And also know that most people who might become your mentor or a mentor actually love to answer those questions. Um, so you're never in a problem for them with, by asking those questions that, that people love giving advice. and. Um, Happy to do so, so please ask. The key word is seek it. Uh, don't always expect a mentor to find you because you may not realize how you come off. Maybe you're quiet, maybe it seems like you have everything together and don't want advice, when that could be further from the truth. You want help, you want advice, and just may not know how to ask it. So ask to meet with someone and, and ask them what's their story? How did they get where they are? Tell them, hey, this is what I'm interested in. Do you think, you know, do you have any advice for me? Do you have any recommendations? So seek it and, and don't stop. Just because someone says no or is not available, don't take that personal. It may be they're going through something and just don't have the bandwidth to handle mentoring you at that time. Just let that roll off your back and keep going. And there will be somebody out there who would love to take you under their wing and show you what they know and help you. So seek it. That's the key thing. And if you can't get it in a person, go to books. Go to the Internet. Look around. There's so many things out there. Don't leave any stones unturned. Don't leave any pages, digital or actual, unturned. So seek it. And who you're choosing for, for that mentorship. You, uh, oftentimes a mentor is someone who exudes um, um, professionalism and um, truth, honesty, maybe some hard truth. Um, understanding that the road to um, improvement is oftentimes rocky and you might uh, have to adjust some of your personality traits in order to be successful in your, in your, your career. And, um, the mentor, the mentor himself or herself uh, should be aware that it is um, sometimes hard for the mentee to, to, to take um, some of that, that feedback that you're given. My advice for someone who is seeking mentorship is for them to reach out. Uh, we are all here willing to help and sometimes we don't recognize it and maybe we can do a better job of reaching out to our airmen. We, everybody is giving of their time, of their knowledge. If you just simply ask the question, and it doesn't have to be a cheesy, will you be my mentor type of situation to strike up a conversation. Ask somebody uh, about a process, ask somebody about their hobbies, let somebody know what you're interested in, and that way they can 
talk to you about their life and their experiences because ultimately it's all about sharing our lives, our experiences, and that's how we grow and that's how we learn. Go out there. If you don't know anyone who can mentor you, start asking the questions, ask your chain of command. Uh, network. It's all about networking and just talking to people, opening up those conversations for yourself. Think about what success looks like to you. You know, a, a good mentor for me might not be a good mentor for you if you're looking for something specific or, you know, if you know where you want to go in life, um, I would say to, to be open to other types of mentors and kind of go out there, network, um, and find someone that works for you. First and foremost, I say you, you can't judge a book by its cover. Like, especially if you're a young airman, uh, you see a chief with the white hair, you have to understand that uh, he's got a lot of experience. And uh, it's much easier when, the, when, you can, uh, when they're easy to talk with, but uh, always got to have an open mind, be, be able to share between each other. Uh, but, I, I, again, my biggest thought is Never, never judge a book by its cover. You'll find that you, you can learn more from somebody that does not act, sound, or look like you. Find someone that you, you know, have a, a strong connection with or you look up to or you respect, um, that they're, you know, take their advice and their support and um, use it as a tool. Um, also, make sure you find someone that's willing to invest the time in you, because if you don't get that person that's willing to invest that time, it's not going to work. You're not going to, you know, the mentorship is not going to be there. You're not going to create that connection that you need to move on or be, you know, in your life or in your career. If you're an airman seeking mentorship, seek it out. Continuous, continuously ask. You don't ask, you don't get. So if you want to, if you, if you want to make changes in your career, you, it's, at the end of the day, it's your career. I would say feel free to reach out to anyone. Almost anyone would be honored to be a mentor, so just asking them will make them feel good, and no one's going to tell you no. Before we go, here's a bit of a preview of our other podcast, Chevrons. From junior enlisted to senior leaders and those in between, we interview notable individuals to address everyday challenges and the hurdles the enlisted force faces. In this episode... We welcome a panel of prior enlisted commissioned officers to discuss enlisted commissioning, the process, the rewards and challenges of swapping stripes for bars. The company grade officers on this panel share their experiences with the process and provide advice for enlisted personnel considering crossing over to the officer corps. I, I was really back and forth. I didn't. I, I was genuinely happy where I was at. Uh, I was a supervisor. I was a tech sergeant when I when I got out of commission, and I had been doing it for 14 years, so I was very comfortable. Um, I, I was a technical expert, and uh, people, I, I enjoyed it. And then I really had a hard time. I went into General Carpenter's office uh, almost daily. Well, Colonel Carpenter, I guess at the time, and I was just like, Sir, I don't know if I should do this. And he got sick of it. One day, and he, he like closed the door, but he was like, you want to get stuff done? That's what officers do. If you don't want to get stuff done, get out of my office. And uh, that was kind of the whole, uh, I was like, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do it, I guess. So, um...
just picking out the priorities and where you need to spend your time and also prioritizing time to walk around and observe. You can't just sit there all day and go task, 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 because I feel like once you're an officer, maybe not so much in the lower ranks, but you have transitioned from being the ones answering the questions to asking questions. So you have to be able to take a step back, and I still struggle with this every day, but be the person who answers that why. You know, why are we doing something? What's the point of doing this? And then putting that into the work. You can't just be so task saturated all the time that you don't take the time to step back and take time to think about what's going on and also what's going on with the people around you and who needs to be taken care of. Thankfully, you know, my enlisted time helped because I knew the career field. I knew what everyone should be doing. I knew the AFIs. I had, I didn't really need to take a ton of time to become a technical expert, which is kind of what, you know, company grade officers are supposed to do, become that technical, you know, expert and that technical leader. Um, I already had that expertise, but it was very difficult coming back as a, you know, you le you know, I left as a, as a senior NCO, um, you know, working my way up. And then I came back as a second Lieutenant and I was starting all over again. Sorry, sorry, we should have had you on that on that episode. I was say, <laughs> yeah, well, it was during the week where you yeah. come in from Maryland for it. Hey, I'll, hey, if you guys ever need a soundbite, yeah, <laughs> I'm always available. I work remotely, so <laughs> hit me up. There we go. Um, March is Women's History Month. Its origins as a national celebration began in 1981 when Congress passed Public Law 97-28, which authorized and requested the president to proclaim the week beginning March 7th. 1982 as Women's History Week. Throughout the next five years, Congress continued to pass joint resolutions designating a week in March as Women's History Week. In 1987, after being petitioned by the National Women's History Project, Congress passed Public Law 100-9, which designated the month of March 1987 as Women's History Month. Between 1988 and 1994, Congress passed additional resolutions requesting and authorizing the president to proclaim March of each year as Women's History Month. Since 1995, presidents have issued a series of annual proclamations designating the month of March as Women's History Month. These proclamations celebrate the contributions women have made to the United States and recognize the specific achievements women have made over the course of American history in a variety of fields. In this month's episode, we recognize 2nd Lieutenant Francis Fortune Grimes, a women's Air Force service pilot who served right here at Otis Field until her untimely death in 1944. Grimes was an accomplished pilot who gave her life for her country. Francis Fortune Grimes was a member of the Women's Air Force Service Pilot Program. Known as WASPs, these outstanding aviators were the first women to fly American military aircraft. They became one of the most distinguished group of pilots to fly during World War II. Of 25,000 applicants, 1,830 were accepted to the training program, and 1,074 completed the rigorous training. These 1,074 graduates joined with the 28 Women's Auxiliary Ferry Squadron to become WASPs. Born in Deer Park, Maryland, Grimes was a graduate of West Virginia University and the University of Pittsburgh. She entered the WASP program in January 1943 at Ellington Field in Houston, Texas and began her flight training at Avenger Field in Sweetwater, Texas on January 15, 1943. 
Grimes completed her training as part of the class 43 Whiskey 3 on July 3, 1943, and was designated as a ferry pilot assigned to Love Field in Dallas. From there, she served at Camp Davis, North Carolina, before arriving at Otis Field on December 15, 1943. Grimes was assigned here at Cape Cod for aerial operations in the RA-24 Bravo dive bomber. On March 27, 1944, shortly after takeoff, her aircraft experienced a stall and began to spin, crashing to the ground. Grimes was 32 years old at the time of her death. Three other WASP pilots were also serving at Otis Field at the time of Grimes' passing. Shirley Ingalls, Mildred A. Toner, and Mary L. Leatherby all served as pallbearers at Grimes' funeral held on Camp Edwards. Numbering just over a thousand strong, WASPs had a significant impact on the war effort. In addition to assignment as ferry pilots, they also towed targets for anti-aircraft practice and were involved in the testing for the first drone programs the United States used during the war. In all, 38 WASP members lost their lives. The WASP program was deactivated on December 20, 1944. During their time of service to the nation, they were not recognized as part of the armed forces and they received neither veteran benefits nor status. In 1977, President Carter signed legislation providing veterans status for WASPs, qualifying them for benefits offered by the Veterans Administration. On July 1, 2009, WASPs were awarded the Congressional Gold Medal by President Barack Obama. This month, we recognize the bravery and sacrifice these women of distinction made contributing to the war effort. The contributions of these pioneer pilots, such as Francis Fortune Grimes, are an inspiration to all airmen and epitomize the Air Force core values of integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. So, the nice weather is finally arriving. March 20th marks the first day of spring, and with that, Jay, may I add that you're looking dapper today. Oh, yeah. Did you know that the first of March is World Compliment Day? Oh, well, thank you. You know, you look great. I like what you're doing with your hair. Well, thank you. Thank you. LT, you know, you're, you're, looking, you're looking sharp. Appreciate that, Sergeant Whitaker. Yes, thank you. No, I'm just... I love you guys. <laughs> so, uh, March 3rd, uh, actually, the day we record this, is National Anthem Day. However, it's also National Day of Unplugging. So, if you need the lyrics, make sure you look them up before you disconnect. I still will always love Whitney Houston's National Anthem at the Super Bowl. Which Super Bowl was that? Not... Don't... Was it... Was No, was it Baltimore? The one that probably had the Patriots in it. Well, which one didn't? Which one? <laughs> Did I say that? Great. Are we keeping this? <laughs> um, He's probably going to keep You that. know, funny, you know, you, 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 you're hating on the Patriots. You I'm hate not them. Hating, no, I'm just. <laughs> you know, uh, you're fighting them tooth and nail, which March 6th is National Dentist Day. Okay. Um, and March 7th is Flapjack Day. I have to ask the panel. What's the difference between a pancake and a flapjack? Anybody know? We're splitting atoms over here. Um, I think I think a flapjack is made with love. A pancake is made at IHOP. Oh, the International House of should be flapjacks. Yeah, but, but there's a, there's not a lot of love there sometimes. <laughs> Moving right along, <laughs> March twelfth is daylight savings time. Uh, do you think that's gonna pass? Or are we going to be uh, changing the, the, the clocks again this year? I don't know. I keep talking about it, moving it, like know. eliminating it, I mean. Right? Until it happens, Tim, I think we're sticking as is. So no time travel, or maybe time travel this year. I wouldn't want to set us back. Oh, touche. Yeah, moving forward. Moving forward. 
Uh, March 14th, of course, everyone knows, you know, one of the favorite holidays out there every year is National Pie Day. P.I. Pie. Um, yeah. And uh, our, our also local favorite is March 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day. Anybody got any comments on St. Patrick's Day? I mean, it's all green to me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still new to Massachusetts, so I'm a bit... Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to celebrate. I guess maybe get a Shamrock Shake or whatever. Oh, you know what, Shamrock Shake. I have not heard anything about the Shamrock Shake, and here we are, March third, and nothing. Uh, are they offering it this year? I don't know. They need to bring it back. I'm just saying. Uh, um, so March 18th is National Sloppy Joe Day and National Corn Dog Day and Awkward Moments Day. Uh, yeah. Like this one that we're having right now. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, if uh, you know, you, you got you got a dog, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's uh, March twenty third is National Puppy Day. Okay. Yeah. It's my dog's one and a half year birthday today. Fantastic. It's a big day for him, little Reggie. Year and a half. Year so and a half. He's still kind of a puppy, right? Pretty much. Yeah. What kind of dog do you? He's a little border terrier. Okay. Yeah. All I think. Right. Uh, I think the dog from Anchorman. Ron okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's Reggie. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm outnumbered. I'm a cat guy. Okay, uh, we don't have any cat. I ran ran completely out of cats recently. So wow. <laughs> running it back to that awkward moment. Yeah, day there. Right, exactly. Um, and uh, March 31st is Crayon Day. There you go. And and I I was thinking about Rodney Norman. Oh yeah. His favorite crayon is orange. His favorite crayon is orange. Yep. yep. If you, that's a, that's a, for th- those listening. Go back and listen to the. Uh, Is it like uh, six months ago yeah, on Seagull? Ago. Go find it. It's a it's a it's a great episode. Great Rodney episode. Norman Com- interview. Comedian and former Marine Rodney Norman. Check that one out. One of my early mentors in the military go. and in comedy. Good friend. And uh, I just want to point out a couple of uh, weekly. Observances this this month. Um, the first week of March is National Invest in Veterans Week, which is pretty solid. Um, National Procrastination Week is the first two weeks of March, or whenever is convenient. Wait, yeah, I was like, that sounds like a regular week in the PA shop. <laughs> um, and then, of course, um, the third full week of March is National Introverts Week. So... I don't have much to say about that. No, me either. <laughs> so with that, um, thanks for listening to The Seagull. See you back here for the April RSD. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining the podcast today. Of course. Anytime, Tim. Thank you. Happy, for, happy to be here. All right. Happy March. For more news from the 102nd Intelligence Wing, visit our website at www.102iw.ang.af.mil slash links or search for 102iw on any major social media platform.